Well, good morning. We're so excited to have you here. It's our first Sunday of 2024. That's exciting. And we're going to continue our series that we started at the end of last year in 1 John. We're in part five of that. Adopted character is our message for today, but the series itself is light of the world, that Jesus was sent into this world to bring light into darkness, spiritual light in the midst of spiritual darkness. And that's a metaphor that is throughout scripture, and you see it in a lot of different places, even in our society. And so as we jump into this, I just kind of want to remind you of John's purpose in writing this letter, who John is or was. He was one of those, if you go back to Scripture and you look at the Gospels and you look at Jesus' life, you'll see times when Jesus would retreat or go somewhere and he would take just three of his disciples. They were probably the closest friends he had, and that was Peter, James, and John. Well, that's the John that wrote this letter. He was very close to Jesus. He was one of Jesus' best friends. Some even argue that he was Jesus' best friend. We don't know. We weren't there. But he is mentioned with Jesus a lot. And John wants us, this letter is to talk to us and to remind us that we are to live as children of the light. If Jesus is the light of the world, as we found in, in John's gospel, that the light came into the world, that we are to live as children of the light. We're to reflect Jesus in all that we do and become more like him. And so that's where we started. And then the last time we got together with this message before we took a couple weeks uh, off for Christmas was that there are many antichrists out there that in their fellowship, now they didn't have a bunch of churches like we do now, but in their fellowship, there were people that changed the gospel and went and started their own groups but they weren't preaching the same thing. Some were saying, hey, Jesus isn't really the Son of God. Or, well, they're saying, oh, he's, he's the Son of God, but he's not God. He's not, a, he's not divine. There, was, there were all these little variations. They had elements of the truth, but they also had deception in them. They were not telling the whole truth. And, and John called them antichrists. They were people that were anti to who Jesus is, the gospel that he presented the good news. And so he went through that whole thing. You can look at that and listen to that message on YouTube if you want to go back and refresh your memory. But we're in part five. And so John is now reminding us, what does a child of the light, what is somebody that's following Jesus, what does that look like? Who are we? And so the first thing that John wants us to understand is that we are children of God. So that's point number one, children of God. If you downloaded the notes, we're going to look at 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 28, and we're going to go down into verse 3 of chapter 3. It says, And now, little children, abide in him. When you hear the term him, that's talking about Jesus. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that they do not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. 
and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We are children of God. We've been adopted into his family. This is something that Paul talks a lot about, not just John, but Paul. One of the most amazing things that he did is he adopted us. Now, God knows every detail of our lives. He knows all things. He knows our broken places. He knows our greatest faults, our fears, our failures. And yet he chose to love us enough to send Jesus to die for our sins. And for those of us that accept him, we become his children. He adopts us, marks us by his Holy Spirit. We are in the family of God. We are co-heirs with Jesus, the Son of God, who is God. So here's where Paul talks about it. If you look at Ephesians 1.5, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us in his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Do you get that? This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God decided that he was going to adopt us through Jesus, that he wanted us to be in his family. From the minute sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, God had this plan to bring us back into relationship with him, back into his family. Because sin separates us from God. And by Jesus covering that sin through what he did, we come back into his family. He did that out of love for us. He's not just saying, hey, when you get yourself perfect, you can come in and, and be a part of my kingdom. No, he's saying, look, right where you're at, I love you. I want to adopt you into my family. You are now a part of my family. All that I have is yours. That's really awesome. Over, some of you guys know, and I've shared before, I spent several years working in foster care in the early 2000s. Um, I have a master's degree in child protection, juvenile justice, and I had the opportunity to help several people that were fostering children actually adopt those children when either the parents were not available or had uh, were incarcerated, whatever that may be, they lost their rights to be parents. And so these children would get adopted in homes. I, had, I think it was 19 different kids that I helped adopt over the years. And watching that process was pretty awesome because this family adopts the children. They fall in love with them. And they, the children come with baggage. They come with issues. They come with all this stuff. And the parents say, you know what? That doesn't matter. I want you. I love you. Come into my home. And they love them right where they're at. It's not easy, but the parents accept them right where they're at. They love them just where they're at. And that's what God does for us. And then he marks us as our own. When you adopt a child, a lot of times those children would take on that family's name. They would officially change their last name to their family. They're marked. They're a part of this family. This is what God did. He, he gave us the Holy Spirit. He marked us by His Spirit baggage and all, that we are His. And I, I want to kind of wrap this up in an Old Testament verse that talks about this, going all the way back to Micah towards the end of the, the Old Testament. Micah was a prophet. This is what it says in Micah chapter 7, verses 18 through 20. It says, 
Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, who overlooks the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing your unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them in the depths of the ocean. You will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors, Abraham and Jacob, long ago. Going all the way back to the Old Testament, this was always God's plan. God's plan wasn't to destroy people and to wipe people out, which people, you look at the Old Testament, it can look like that at times. His plan is always to bring people into relationship with Him, to wipe out their sin and to show His unfailing love. And that's what He does. It's the heart of God. Not only in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament as well, we see the heart of God to give us that love, to take away our sins, to bring us into relationship, to make us His children. God's heart from the beginning was to remove our sins. Which leads us to the second thing that God does and that, that John talks about is transforming our character. Transforming our character. We're born with a sinful nature. Nobody had to teach us how to lie how to take things that were not our own, how to do all of these things to protect ourselves. And, and often we would hurt other people. You watch some children, there's a toy and one will snatch it from the other one, or they'll want, want, and they'll beg for things. That sinful nature that we're born with is a part of who we are in the beginning, but God transforms our character. I want you to look at 1 John verses 4 through 10 says, everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning, because God's life is in them. They can't keep on sinning because they are the children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love others does not belong to God. There is a lot in there. There's a lot about sin. There's a lot about all this stuff and how if we're following Jesus, we're not going to sin. I want to talk about that a little bit because I want to put it into perspective. Just because we give our lives to Jesus doesn't mean that we don't struggle with sin. Doesn't mean that we don't sin from time to time. See, our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins when we put our trust in Him. We're not perfect. And I want to relate it back to our adoption. We're adopted children of God, and as adopted children of God, or of Jesus, well, of God, but we're to become like Jesus. Remember, children of the light, we're going to become like Him. This is not an overnight thing. It's not just, boom, all of a sudden we're like Jesus. We no longer sin, everything's perfect, we do everything right. It's not how life works, not how anything works. It takes time, it takes learning, it takes growing. One of the things I noticed over the years as children were adopted, 
and they accepted the love of their new adopted parents, they begin to take on the traits and characteristics of their adopted parents. It doesn't mean their past goes away and all of that stuff. It just means that they begin to look and not physically look, but act a little bit more like their adopted parents. They take on some of their values. They take on some of the things that are important to them. They find new rhythms, becomes a part of their life. The more that they spend time with their adopted parents, the more they become like them. The longer that we are in the family of God, the longer that we're following Jesus, the more we spend time with him, the more we're going to become like him. It's not overnight. Adopted children don't just take the last name of the parents and all of a sudden they know all the rhythms and everything about that family and they're just boom. They're just exactly like the parents. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way with our relationship with God. When we give our hearts to Jesus and yeah, a lot of things change immediately and we're transformed into his children, but we still struggle with things. We still wrestle with some of that old baggage and we have to learn how to give those things to him and to become more like him. That's why it's so important for us to spend time with him. We don't instantly transform. So when John's talking about that we don't continue sinning, he's talking about how the fact that when we're trying to follow Jesus, we know the sins that we know we're doing, the way that we used to live was changing. We're not continuing down that path. And let me put it this way. we got to define sin for a minute. You guys have probably heard me define sin in the past. But basically, I define sin this way. You could probably look it up and find some other things. But I basically take sin and and melt it down to selfishness. And if you think about the greatest commandment, or you think about the Ten Commandments, Jesus told us that the greatest commandment was this, if you were to boil it all down, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first half is all about our love for God and worshiping Him and not putting other gods or other things in front of Him. Do you realize that other gods could be our cell phones? That we put more faith into our cell phone than we do God? Or it could be a relationship, it could be our children, it could be anything that we make idols in our lives and put before God. That's sin. That's selfishness. Or just blatantly saying to God, hey, my way or the highway, I'm not going to do what you, this is what I want to do. I don't care what your word says. I don't care what you say. I'm going to do this because this is what I want to do. That's a sin against God. That creates separation. The other side of that is sins against other people, stealing, lying, having an affair with somebody's spouse, those kind of things. You're sinning against other people, not only God, but others. So when you look at the Ten Commandments, when it says to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbors yourself, you're saying that the needs of the people that are around you and your relationship with God come first. Not that you have to put yourself down or inconvenience yourself, but you're going to be mindful of the people around you and you're going to put their needs first. You're going to treat them with love and respect. That's what everything boils down to. So sin is when selfishness. It's when we say, you know what? My wants and needs are more important than anything else, anybody else, including God. That's really what it boils down to. And Paul does a really cool thing in Galatians. He kind of shows us what the sinful nature looks like. It's not an extensive list, but I want to read this to you out of Galatians 5, 19 
through 23 because we're going to find out how we kind of go past this. But he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, this is our sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. That means having inappropriate sexual relationships outside of marriage in all of these other ways. Impurity. Lustful pleasures. They all kind of wrap together. Idolatry putting anything between you and God, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to tell us how we can live like Jesus, how we become like him. It says, but the Holy Spirit, and that's what God has given us as followers, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I love how Paul gives us the contrast, that compare and contrast kind of look at sin versus growing in our relationship with God. See, if we continue down our sinful path, and I know this for myself because before I gave my life to Christ, I was all about me. Everything I did was to get what I wanted. Now, it doesn't mean that I wasn't nice to people, that I didn't treat people well. I did at times, but when there was something I wanted, I would do anything to get that, even if it meant taking it from that person or treating that person badly to get what I wanted putting other people down to make myself look better, whatever that is, those sin, that sinful nature, that desire to be all about me had to be taken out of me. And then God gives us the Holy Spirit. And I love when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit because when what God does with the Spirit inside of us, and each one of us are marked by the Holy Spirit, we're filled with the Holy Spirit when we become believers. And remember, the Holy Spirit's a part of God. Three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. The Holy Spirit is God's active power in our lives on earth today. And the Holy Spirit's given for many reasons, but He grows that love, that joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control is all wrapped up into that. The more we know God, the longer we serve Him, these things should be growing in our lives. Again, it's not instant They grow. If you've ever planted anything, you put a seed in, and it may be weeks before you start to see it push through the surface. And that's what God does in our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. So if we're living as children of God, if we're reflecting Him well, we're going to begin to look more like Him. We're going to take on His character. And it happens by allowing the fruit of the Spirit to grow in us by us spending time with God, which leads us to the last point of how John tells us to do this is to remain in fellowship with him, talking about Jesus. You're like, well, Jesus is in heaven. Well, his presence and his power is with us today. We stay connected to him by making him the center of our lives, that we filter everything we do Through our relationship with Jesus, are we honoring Him? Are we sharing Him with others? Are we making sure that our actions and our attitudes line up with what we know about Him through Scripture? So we have to know the Word of God, and not just know it, 
but know it in context. Know it, the spirit of who God is, the character of God represented throughout Scripture. That's, that's the big thing. We can only know His character in context by spending time with Him in His Word, by prayer, spending time with Him, just talking to Him and listening to Him and learning to hear His voice and allowing the Holy Spirit to grow the fruit in our lives, allowing Him to change us. Look at 1 John verse 28. That's why I want to read this one first. It says, And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when He returns, you will have full courage and not shrink back from Him in shame. When we know Him, we remain in fellowship with Him. We don't take a step back. We're not freaked out by Him, but we will know Him. We're comfortable with Him. And then verse 9 of chapter 3 says this, Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're the children of God. We overcome sin through the work of Jesus on the cross and through the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. That's the key. We've got to, that's why we come together and we, we study the Word of God. That's why we walk through these books so that we can remember some of the stuff you've probably known for years. Some of it might be just to remember Oh man, I have got to spend more time with Jesus. I've got to become like Him. We want to know Him more. That's our goal. We want to overcome sin. We want to overcome the effects of sin. We want to live in right relationship with God and with others. We want to reflect Him well. And the longer we serve God, the more we should look like Him. It breaks my heart when I see people as they get older in life and in their relationship with God and they get cranky and they get mean and they get legalistic. That's something that happens when we let our relationship with God become something different than what God intended it to be. But when we're really striving after Him, when we're really spending time with Him, we will have much more love and compassion for those that we encounter. We will see people the way Jesus sees them. And if you remember, Jesus went to the worst sinners in Scripture, and He loved them right where they're at. He didn't condemn them. Now, He didn't condone their sin. He did say, hey, go and sin no more. But He did not condemn them. He loved them exactly where they're at. So we need to reflect Him well. We need to allow the presence of God to grow in our lives, for our character to be transformed into His character, and that we remain in Him. That's our goal. So as we wrap up today, I want to remind you, one, we're adopted children of God. Don't take that for granted. That's such a huge thing. That's something we should celebrate. We are in the family of God. That's so awesome. Second thing is, we need then to spend so much time with Him that our character has changed, that we begin to take on the character of Jesus, loving people right where they're at, caring for people no matter who they are. We even learned in John that, that true love, true friendship is somebody that's willing to lay down their life for somebody else. It's pretty amazing, right? And the last thing is that we need to remain in Him, in His Word, spending time with Him in prayer, spending time with the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us. So my question for you today is this, are you in relationship with God? And if you are, are you allowing the Holy Spirit to grow that fruit in your lives? Do you look more like Jesus today than you did when you first met Him? Are you striving after allowing God to change your character, to change who you are, 
we, again, we're still going to struggle with sin from time to time. We're still going to make mistakes. But God's grace is big. He covers those things up. But we should not continue to go down a road that we once did. We should be striving to be more like Him every day. That's my prayer for you today. That's every day. Draw close to Him. Allow His character to grow in your life. And then share that love with somebody that's around you. Remember, that's our purpose, is to share the love of God with the people that are around us. Disciple. Write down their names. Pray over them. Become a part of their lives so that one day you'll have an opportunity to share who Jesus is with them. I want to pray over you today. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for another new year. Lord, I pray that we would be mindful of our relationship with you, that your character, that your grace, that your love would grow in us more and more every day. Father, help us to become more like you. And Lord, help us to be mindful of the people that are around us, that we could show them your love, that we would be so in touch and in tune with you that when the Holy Spirit prompts us, we would share your love with somebody, that we would write down their names, that we would pray over them. And Lord, we ask right now that you would help us to draw people to you. We want to reflect you so much that they want to come to know you. And Lord, we thank you for this. And we ask that you would change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you again for taking the time to, to spend time with us this morning. We're really excited that you were here. We're going to have a great 2024. Allow God to change your life, and we'll see you again next time.